This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Finally, I figured out but it took a long, long time. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is my old friend, Ken Block, lead singer and guitarist for the Gainesville, Florida band, Sister Hazel. Ken and I take a deep dive into Sister Hazel's breakout smash hit, All For You, taken from their 1997 album, Somewhere More Familiar. Ken and I go way back, and it was great catching up and reminiscing about our early days in Gainesville, where both of our bands built up fiercely loyal followings, which helped propel us into other cities in Florida and eventually to the rest of the world. Ken tells a fascinating story about how he recorded the first demo of All For You all by himself using the most primitive recording techniques. We talk about Ken's musical influences and how they can be heard clearly throughout this track, both from a musical standpoint and how the band layers their vocal harmonies. And true to their grassroots appeal and continued touring, the band is still thriving to this day. For all this and much more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Lots of shared history with Sister Hazel, a fellow Gainesville, Florida band. And we do have similarities. You know, both of our bands, when I was reflecting on on this episode, Ken, I was I was thinking, we both really use Gainesville. We cultivated that area to launch our, our respective careers. We we built that area up and I felt like I had made it in Gainesville before yeah. <laughs> before anywhere else. I felt like I was our band was kind of becoming somebody, and I know you feel that way. And I want to talk a little bit for the listeners about about the history. Ken and Andrew, you guys were a singing duo yeah. uh, before yeah. and during the beginnings of Sister Hazel. And yeah. it, it's funny, you know, you guys gigged everywhere. I remember seeing you at the Swamp, and my first impression was, you know, wow, these guys can sing. Thanks, man. You guys could sing your asses off. And, and Ken and Andrew and, and, of course, the Sister Hazel shows in Gainesville were great because, you know, during that time, Less Than Jake comes from the punk rock side and there was a lot of factions of you can't listen to this music. And yeah. it's so funny. I remember going to, like, Florida Theater and seeing you guys and I'd run into some punk in the bathroom like, what are you doing here? And it's because yeah. all, all the pretty girls were at Sister Hazel shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, look, if you, we learned early that if you could get the girls to come, the guys would follow. You know, and and Gainesville loved a line. If you could create a line of people waiting to come in, people would be like, oh, what's going on there? What's going on there? We want to get in. You know, I grew up in Gainesville, so I didn't just come in for college. And uh, I had been in band. My first band was called Razor's Edge. And we were in a band called Scorcher. And then we played, you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Van Halen, uh, you know, all the uh, old ZZ Top stuff like that. And But I also grew up listening to a lot of, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, James Taylor, Crosby, Stills and Nash. My dad was a great musician. Uh, in his own right, keyboard player. So I always loved the, the storytellers, the harmonies, but I love the energy of the rock band. 
you know, I could scream pretty good. And what happened was a couple things happened in those early 90s. Also, I was a Southern rock guy. Like I love Skinner and Allman Brothers, you know, the, the uh, petty stuff. What was interesting about, you know, stuff for me was that I love that energy of rock band stuff, but I also was mesmerized by storytellers and, and the way voices could, you know, captivate people and all that. And so a couple of things happened early in the 90s. One was these guys, Jack and Britton, who were in a band called Lips and Inside Out. They did a bunch of gigs. Jack now plays for Jason Aldean, uh, wow. a big country artist. Britton's a great songwriter. They started playing as a duo. And I remember thinking, God, man, is anybody going to go see like acoustic you know, we were all playing rock music and ska music and, you know, high energy stuff. And and people were coming out and they were listening. I was like, God, really, I would love to start doing that. So I started playing out. And then around that time, Bob McPeak called me. Bob McPeak, for those of you listening, worked at Mirror Image Recording Studios. And he was one of the key guys there. And he said, look, we're doing a compilation CD for an environmental trust fund called Gainesville Axe. <laughs> Remember that thing? I, I do remember that. And yes. so he was like, you know, I know you turn in stuff with Redline with your, you know, with your band, your heavier band, but I know you're playing acoustically now. Do you have anything? And I was sitting around that morning and I go, I go, actually, I do have something I've been working on. Well, can I finish it up? How much time do I have? He goes, tomorrow. And that <laughs> song was all for you that I was wow. working on that, that morning. And so at that same time, I started playing out by myself originally, uh, separate from the band, watching Jack and Britain. And then I started writing uh, acoustic stuff and Bob called that day and uh, it kind of opened the door for a lot of cool stuff. Now, uh, for, for the listeners, and Ken kind of told you a moment ago, Bob McPeak produced Less Than Jake's first record, Pez Corps, And yep. Bob was also there as a second engineer on our major label debut, Losing Streak. So, uh, of course, we have history with Bobby and Mirror Image as well. Was that version a first version that then was later recorded for the first self-titled record? Okay, close. So let me tell you about when I was writing in the beginning, right? So I'm writing yeah, this please. song. And I had been listening to these Indigo Girls records and the way that they would work their harmonies and stuff. And I was like, um, man, I, I really like the back and forth and stuff. So I didn't have a multi-track player. I was living in a really, really shitty duplex across town. Um, <laughs> I, but I did have a couple jam boxes with cassettes. So I would like play. I'd be like, there's been times. And I'd leave it open. On my roads, I'd leave it open and I'd play it and, and I'd leave all these holes and then I'd, I'd record it on that one. Then I'd play that one back and hit record on another jam box and fill it in with, they lead to you, you know, and I just kept <laughs> stacking harmonies. And I probably had about eight or nine bounce backs, shitty little cassette, but I mapped it out. And the next day I went in, recorded it with Bob uh, and a guy named Tracy... I forget Tracy's last name right now. But anyway, that demo made that Gainesville Axe CD. And that was around the time I was playing, started playing with Andrew. And uh, I said, man, if I'm going to record this again, I'll bring Andrew in. So he came in and sang with me. Then we used that version on the first Sister Hazel eponymous CD. 
Right, which that uh, record was on your own Crokin Poets yeah. record label, came out in 1994, and then of course three years later, uh, Somewhere More Familiar came out, uh, and that record in between that time, that had been three years yeah. of playing this song, and I remember, this song was a hit among among Gainesville, and this is a really, I've, I'm up to, I don't know, something like 50 episodes now on the show, Ken, and this song was so interesting to talk about to me, because I don't think I've ever talked to an artist before about, like, in your heart it was kind of a no-brainer that you had to re-record this song. I mean, especially when you, you know, I mean, you put the record out and then Universal picked it up, but um, did you know it was a hit in the sense that throngs of people were singing this song before before it was ever on a major? (laughs) I hate to say that, but honestly, what's a hit? You know it's a hit. I believe you definitely know when songs are special, when they have legs or people respond to them. When I recorded that song the first time, I drove it over to my parents' house. Again, I lived in Gainesville. And I played it for my mom, and I went, if I never write another song, I got one. I go, I got one. This thing's got some kind of legs, right? So every time we'd play it out, people would request it over and over. And they were singing it back. And as we started Sister Hazel, you know, the guys would leave, and they hated it because they'd leave, and Drew and I would sing it. And, um, and they were like, man, let's, let's play it as a band. And so I was like, let's start doing it as a band. So we just started playing it as a band. And at that time, Chris, you'll remember, there were a lot of tape traders. Remember those guys sure. that were, would record? And so all of a sudden, we'd show up at, you know, 40 Watt, or we'd show up at uh, somewhere in Charleston or Auburn, and they, we'd never been there before, and they were singing all for you. And Happy, which was another one of our songs at that time. And I was like, sure. how do these people know these songs? And we were like, man, uh, this thing's got some legs. And so it was pretty, it was, did we know it was a hit? I would say that we knew that people responded to it. And if we could get in front of people or get more ears on it, that it would resonate. Yeah, well, that that's that, that's really interesting that uh, you you talk about the the tape trading. I mean, that was poor man's internet. Exactly. Was, <laughs> you know, it really it was it was analog internet. Exactly. You know, you'd uh, get a tape to some guy and you'd hear this song, and God, the worst part about that was you get a cassette that didn't have any writing on it. You didn't know who the hell it was. You'd spend five, ten years Trying and finally find you'd it find it on YouTube. You're saying, "Oh my God, that's that band," you know? And, exactly. But there was something really cool and special. You just uh, jogged a memory. Less than Jake used to play a club in Columbia, South Carolina called Rockefellers. Oh, yeah. And you guys were playing just up the street. You were doing like a street fair. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was like a Friday night, and Darren, our old sax player, and I went over, and we, we said hello to yeah, you guys that night. Absolutely. So Let me tell you something about, let me tell you an interesting story about Rockefellers. I had turned in that white CD. Hootie was just getting started up there in South Carolina. Yeah. And uh, I had sent, uh, actually, the cassette dating us up to Fishco, which was their company to see if we could open some shows and open their, we were going to play the theater in Gainesville. And I get a call from this girl, Lynn Oliver. And she goes, look, we've already filled that slot, but man, we just keep playing this, this tape over and over. And we, we love it. I'd like to help get you some shows up in the Carolinas. And she helped me get our first gig ever in the Carolinas, which was at Rockefeller's. And um, she went on uh, to manage uh, Zach Brown. And now mm-hmm. she's managing a big country star named Luke Combs. And she was just like the intern at that time who liked it, was just like us, loved indie music, finding stuff. And she got us gig at Rockefellers with Art Bork or whatever that guy's name was and got us a gig over in Charleston, too. What's so amazing about that is all those uh, little 
pieces of the puzzle that's along right. the way. You that's never right. know, you know, and, and, and that's something we prided ourselves. I know you guys did too. We always tried to treat people with respect and, 100%. and uh, those, those who helped us would always give back. We want to talk about getting into the recording of this. I mean, was there any particular reason that it took three years in between releases? I know you guys were gigging a lot, yeah. you and Andrew and the band, yeah. but that, you know, bands were putting out records a little uh, quicker than... Um, the first record was released in 94, February 25th, 1997, somewhere more familiar, was released. It went on to sell 30,000 copies in that initial pressing, which led to, to the Universal deal. Universal Records signed the band. So I know that Paul Ebersold, uh, whose pr- producer credits are Three Doors Down, Skillets, Alive, A Third Day, uh, etc. How did Paul come into the fold and and? I guess I'm going to ask, I mean, I know you guys were doing halfway decent, but you didn't have any backing. How were you paying this producer to do an independent record? Well, a couple things happened. One was Ryan, our guitar player, and I really loved this record by a band uh, called Sonia Dada. And we were just looking at it and, uh, and we were like, man, this guy gets great tones. I love the sound of this. Very different band than us. But and it said Paul Eversold and Andy Levine, who was, uh, he ran Rickenbacker's managed us oh, for yeah. the first 10 years and he was in a band called water dog that jet our bass player had been in and they recorded their first cd with paul Eversole when he was first getting started and wow. so they called paul and said hey you know this band's got some legs they're doing some stuff let's send you some some uh tapes they really like it and so we went up there uh, we stayed in a little red roof in um, all of us in one room, as you know, the deal. <laughs> and uh, we recorded that whole record. And I don't know, about 14 days, probably two weeks. This would have been late, late 96 or so. Yeah, uh, or earlier 96, I think, because we put it out um, ourselves first. And then yeah, and then and then after we sold whatever, uh, I think 30,000 copies of that independently, the record company pulled it. So we could remix all for you. We just wanted to remix it for radio. And we did a couple other tweaks, but that was it. But uh, yeah. Paul then went on to do Three Doors Down. The saliva guys and all that were, I think they're from Memphis. So I guess he was kind of unknown. You, you guys kind of gave him a, a start, essentially, or got, got his name out there. He had made some good records, but we were his first platinum record. Um, gotcha. And Paul's, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, real old school, you know, he and I, we were both super ADD. So it would take us a long time to get through things sometimes, but, uh, but it was <laughs> most good, of us musicians are, right? I know, man, we got so much <laughs> stuff bounce around in here. Um, but yeah, Paul's a good guy and he went on to make some great records. That's awesome. So, uh, we're going to jump into the track now. The song is three minutes and 39 seconds. And I don't get too much into this, Ken, but I want to talk to the listeners and, and talk to you about this. Um, uh, for the listeners that don't know, a capo is a little device that you put on the neck of a guitar and you can uh, put it on different frets so you can play open chords and, and, and chain, change the, the key of the guitar. Uh, I noticed on the record that uh, it's capoed on the first fret and uh, A flat is the first chord of the song. But live, you do the song in A. Yeah. Usually bands will, will tune down so they can hit the high notes. You guys tuned up live. Yeah. Was there, what, 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 what's going on there? Well, I think in the studio, whatever, um, we tried it at different spots just to see where Drew and I were both singing best together. And in that moment in time, it, it was a best right there. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think as we went on and I was singing a little harder for a while, we pushed it up. And now these days, I'm dropping it back down a little bit. So we'll play with it, <laughs> kind of dependent on the night. They'll look at me and be like, 
up or down or what? I'm like, open. I want to I want to even say I heard a, ver- a live version maybe in G, another one. But I, I distinctly put, you know, when I'm, I'm reviewing these songs for episodes, I'll go through and listen to live versions yeah. and differences. And I'm, I'm like, this sounds weird. I'm like, this isn't in the original key. Yeah. So, and it's weird. Okay. Capo on one. Yeah. It's kind of strange yeah. to do that. But that's just where our voice sounded best at that time. Right on. Well, there's a, a chord strum that starts the song. There's some arpeggiated little yeah. picking. Then that same strum happens, and bam, you're right into the to the first verse. Finally, I figured out, but it took a long, long time. Now there's a ton about Finally, I figured out, but it took a long, long time. Now there's a turnabout, maybe because I'm trying. Mm-hmm. So this song that you were uh, uh, doing the poor man's uh, uh, multi-track on your boom boxes that you played to mom and dad, what's the inspiration here for these lyrics? I had been in a pretty long-term relationship, but again, I grew up in Gainesville, and I had all these friends that I'd known since I was a kid, and all of us were going through relationship stuff. So it wasn't really about one person, but we, I was having a lot of conversations with people who were, they were breaking up and getting back together. But what I was talking about through there was when you commit instead of one foot in and one foot out, you know, once I start trying and I'm fully in, things seem to start going a little bit better. And uh, uh, I was hearing these stories from everywhere. And I, this is like a common theme. Uh, everybody kind of halfway in, halfway out. But once you kind of, uh, there's a turnabout because I'm, I'm in. And was there ever... Uh, from the original demo that you were doing with Bob uh, when he asked you to do it, Bob McPeak, was there ever any lyrical changes or any arrangement changes to this song, or is this pretty much what it was? The only arrangement change was, I think on the first version, when Andrew came in and sang the first time, he would sing the first line of the answer backs. Ah, you do the call and response. Yeah, there's been times, and I'd be like, I'm so confused. And then we switched it when we recorded it as a band. And I always give him shit because I'm like, America got to introduce to Drew by him going, I'm so confused. <laughs> There's been a guy who could sing the telephone book and make it sound exactly. godlike and, and that's like, what that's what you give them we're gonna switch around and you're gonna sing that first <laughs> <laughs> well you know and i didn't mean to cut you off earlier you were talking about your influences that i have written down yeah. here the crosby stills nash uh, uh of course the allman brothers it's oh, that yeah. southern roots rock that you can hear and of course being from north florida you're in gainesville and and your harmonies and before we go any further before i forget i do want to talk about you know this record wasn't done to Pro Tools. It was 96. Oh, no, no, no. It's all I am. Right. So what I love about this song, when I really, really was getting into to the nuts and bolts of it, was just listening on how, and this this has become difficult for me, and I think you'll understand this, with, with the advent of digital technology and Pro Tools and such, where there's sometimes when I'll look at vocals and they don't line up, mm-hmm. and I always remember to just listen with my ears, not look at the damn screen. You know, that's the beauty of this song, is you and Andrew aren't locked Mm-mm. on harmonies and things. There's push and pull that gives it that human emotion. Agreed. And that's so hard for me to do now with the technology. You want it to sound perfect, Agreed. but that's what lets it breathe. He likes to be a little tighter than I like it to be because sometimes it's hard to tell who's singing what with us. And I really yes. like it to be like 
that's definitely two guys. That's not a guy overdub himself right there, you know? So I kind of like the way things don't land. They don't start at the same time or end sometimes. It was a different beast back then for sure. But your eyes, you're right. If you see things not landing right, you want to line it up. It'll play tricks on you because you think it's not right, but you listen to the, all of those bands that had the harmonies from the Eagles to Almond Brothers. They weren't perfect. They were perfect for what they were, but they, they were weren't. perfectly imperfect. And yes. My yes. favorite of those are uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac was great oh. at that. And Lindsey Butt, like they would, you know, they come in together, but it was just coming from different directions and, and timbers and they would land differently and, uh, I mm -hmm. used to obsess on those harmonies. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash demakes. Yeah, and I can I can really hear hear that in your stuff, you know. And I went back and I was listening to some other tracks while I was doing this happy change yeah, your yeah, mind. Yeah. I mean, you guys got that that's just what what kind of it's kind of your thing. It's really cool. Thanks, um the first verse into the pre-chorus is just kind of like the side stick on the snare mm -hmm. you know there's some sp sp uh, sporadic kick drums going on pretty simple just kind of tuck down vibe and we get into the what i'm calling the first pre-chorus which is the call and response part yeah. we were just discussing and the lyric is uh there's been time i'm so confused that's where andrew comes in all my roads will they lead to you with andrew and then just can't turn and then on the Three words and walk away. There's that big soaring harmony. It's that Almond Brothers. Yeah. It's that Florida, man. I Florida. can just feel it. It's that Skinner. It's I that, love that you said that, man. Because we we're like, what kind of music do you play? I'm like, Florida music. You know, yeah. it's, it's this hodgepodge of all that stuff. Yeah. Now you can hear it, man, and it's just it it's it's cool. I let harmony just gives me chills, man, when that comes in. Oh, it's, thanks, it's, Chris. It's great. 
it's great. Um, and and this song, you know, uh, our producer Chris was talking before we got rolling. Uh, he said he heard the song. Uh, it was on someone's front porch recently, hanging out, and the song just uh, happened to come on. I'm sure this happens to you too. I hear this song all the time yeah. to this day. Yeah. It's so you'd be in supermarkets, yeah. you'd be Home Depot, it, it, CVS. Yeah, it, it, that's that's awesome though, man. I, yeah. I I love that for for my friends. I think that's really cool. You know, this chorus happens. Uh, you know, again, the song's right in that perfect pop length, uh, three minutes, 39 seconds. But this chorus happens fast. At 34 seconds, mm-hmm. we're into the first chorus. Little drum fill. Now the band, full drum beat, we're in. lyric is it's hard to say what it is i see in you wonder if i'll always be with you words can't say and i can't do enough to prove it's all for you and you guys are harmonizing all the way through yes so from your first demo do you remember was was the harmony always or the idea for the harmony always there yeah it was from the very first time i literally bounced those those cassettes back and forth i had three parts on that you know and the low part even uh, and it's not a, a traditional harmony, but no. it works. It, it, it works. And I, we always go by by feel. How does it feel? Sometimes it's funny because now when we record, we've recorded most of our last 10 years up in Nashville. And we don't stack harmonies the way record makers typically stack harmonies. You kind of start with what feels good for me and Drew. How does it work for us? Where can we play around? And then can we stick a third on there? fourth on there to make it kind of work but every once in a while we'll have to have them kind of go we want this to sound like you know uh, a, a normal harmony we don't even we're like stick, guide us through the normal harmony thing otherwise we're just going to do our own stamp yeah and it's interesting and i'm sure you've may have wrestled with this as i've gotten older and i've gotten to become a better singer mm-hmm. as has roger mm-hmm. our bass player the, the harmonies are kind of endless and there's oh, sometimes yeah. we're like okay yeah <laughs> we're going too left of center here yep. you know we're we're a punk rock band let's let's do the third harmony right. and just call it a night right you know right. well it's like when <laughs> right when do you take the paintbrush off the canvas and go it's done because <laughs> you can keep going yeah. and keep going and keep going yeah but it's it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of a, a good problem to have when we when we come out of chorus one, uh, the lyric gets all for you. And, and real quick before we move on, these lyrics here, you know, it's hard to say what it is I see in you that I that I just read. Again, is that just that's all stemming from from this relationship? Yeah, it was all. Uh, there's there's been times I'm so confused on my road to lead to you. Um, it was just every it, no matter what happens, uh, I keep ending up back with this person. I keep going around here and here, and we keep ending up back together. And you can't figure it out. It's it's one of those, you know, we all have had those people or have those people that are just, we're your magnets. And sometimes you bounce off of each other, but you end up coming back and coming back. And so, you know, it's like a, there's a Counting Crows song. He's just like, there's a little bit of Maria in every song I write. There's a piece of Maria in every song that I sing. And it's like, you know, that's doesn't matter where you go. There's always that person and that that kind of comeback. 
That's really interesting you say that because, and I'm sure that you've uh, experienced this traveling over the world. It still happens all the time with with me and the band. People just think of Gainesville as this mecca, yeah. like like Seattle oh, yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you got less than Jake against me. Uh, sure. You know, uh, Sister Hazel, Hot Water Music. There's just a, a wealth of talent uh, that that has come out of that city, but. Uh, for all intents and purposes, it's just this small little college town. Yeah. You, t- to your point, you you're you're gonna keep running into this girl oh, yeah. unless you completely change the ha- places you're hanging out. There's only so many places we hang 100%, out. One hundred percent, man. One hundred percent. And <laughs> even like, there's a song I wrote called Champagne High, and um, yeah. it was a pretty big song for us. And it was about going to the wedding of an ex, which was a weird thing. But you know, we all grew up together, and my wife and I, we we've married twenty five years this summer, but we we still we still see people that we dated before you know what i mean uh they can't yeah. it's it's a bizarre little little thing but you know you wonder how your life may have turned out had you made a, a left turn instead of a right turn and uh sure. you know all that crazy stuff i can't tell you how many fans have come in for uh, every year they do the fest oh yeah the punk rock festival yeah and people will come up to me like this is so crazy. Like, like, you know, Gainesville's like a mile in every direction. Yeah. And then you're out in the country. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah, they just had it in their head that, that there's so much right. a talent and all these bands that have come out of there. Well, and, and think about prior, like to, to our generation with all the petty stuff, the Eagles, oh, um, yeah. Stephen Stills, Minnie Ripperton was through here. Mm-hmm. The time period with us, they got like big white undies guys. Uh, well, I was going to say, Patton, when, when, when Adrian, I thought oh, her and Pat were in that band. I mean, you know, even you mentioned Water Dog. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was bands right on the oh, cusp yeah. that like could have could have had this uh, career outside of Gainesville. But what a great place. We touched on this at the top of the show. What a great place to start a band. Right. I mean, we felt like I, I just don't know if it would have happened for us in Orlando or Tampa. I agree. I don't know if we would have we would have gotten noticed like we did. Well, I think that Gainesville couple things that I felt during that time uh, that were real important was one, the clubs like Bill Bryson and Andy Levine and different hardback and even Gator Meister, some of these other places, they allowed you to start playing original music and they encouraged it. It wasn't, you have to play Brown Eyed Girl and whatever at this Mm -hmm. place, you know, and then the UF, the, the culture at that time was people would, feel ownership in us you know like mm-hmm. like man i know those guys i go to class with that guy or i you know i did shots with that guy two weeks ago whatever it was there was an ability was, to be was, was it was insane yeah, marshall low and, and everything that happened with the harvest you know four squirrels and all that that's a band to me that could have and should have been as big as any of the you know pearl jam uh, any of that stuff that came out of the Seattle scene or, I mean, that record, that, that example record for me was as good as any record I've ever heard, period. Yeah. And, and, and briefly for the listeners, Four Squirrels was a band that Less Than Jake had played with. I know you guys yeah. did. They did an independent record in 1995. They released a record called Example that Ken just mentioned. Please just take one by the grace of God go on their way back from the CMJ Festival in New York, I, either in South Carolina or Atlanta. Uh, it was September of 95, I believe. They blew a van tire, and uh, their tour manager and, and, and two guys in the band lost their lives. It was, it was, that was a terrible, it was awful. terrible moment. 
Yeah, that was, uh, you know, because as much as there were factions and there were different scenes, uh, at the end of the day, we were we were all musicians and we all we all felt for for one another. And but yeah, going back to the, what we were talking about, the the talent in that town was just and and yeah, you're right. People took ownership of yeah. us. It's like they'd see me flying on campus yeah. or they'd see me, you know, at the bars hanging out. I remember Jerry Kennedy and what it is. Remember that? Fun? Oh yeah, so they were great. Jerry was great. I remember talking to Jerry and going, you know, hey, we got this gig and you know, Columbus, Georgia, here's the guy's name. And he would give me like the name of some club owner in Orlando. And we started all pushing in the same direction. And that's how the scene, in my opinion, happened, whether there were factions or genres, there was still the desire to take things to the next level and the desire to push things forward in the same direction. It wasn't really a battle of the bands. It was more, there's some shit going on here. There's some energy going on here. It's hard to talk to people unless you were there and you lived it. Like it was yourself. unbelievable. It feels, like, it feels like it feels like you're bragging. Yeah. Or it feels like, oh, shut up, Grandpa. Yeah, yeah your stories from the past. <laughs> but man, it was a special it time. Was, I, I, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm. You can't, you can't see my face, but I'm smiling ear to it, ear right it now, was everybody. Really special. Because it, what a beautiful, beautiful time to be alive. Coming out of chorus one, we're straight into to, to verse two. That side stick drum uh, on the snare is happening with the kick kick pattern just kind of brought everything down uh the lyric for verse two is and i thought i'd seen it all because it's been a long long time oh but then we'll trip and fall wondering if i'm blind yeah i I have to preface none of this i think is lyrically genius it's genius enough that i'm hearing it at home depot in 2021 (laughs) well sometimes it's right sometimes it's just a straight saying tell it how it is uh you know i thought i'd seen it all it's been a long long time it's about being in a long-term relationship and that wasn't just me. It was my friend watching them. But then something out will catch you out of left field. And, what, you know, am I blind to what's really going on? Do I have my, my, my horse blinders on? Am I just in this little um, echo chamber of, of relationship? Um, and then we just went right back in and kept it simple. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said the word simple. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes this song work. I, I don't think it uh, needed to be these uh, Lou Reed, Bob Dylan-esque uh, uh, lyrics. You don't really understand what they mean. And si- simplistic in the sense, we get to pre-chorus two, which is the same as pre-chorus yeah, one. Yeah. Why mess with it? Yeah. It's pr- And this, this part as a pre-chorus setup, it's become, and when I watch the live videos and I've seen you guys play this live, this part, people are singing as loud as the chorus. Absolutely. They they really are. This is Absolutely. such a hook. And again, it's, there's been time. And I don't believe I mentioned this, the, um, the first, uh, pre-chorus, but I want to talk about it on the, there's been time over panned off in the left speaker. It sounds like this Stratocaster, just electric guitar yeah. just comes in. But I think Ryan's playing yeah. that and it's just, it's so good. It's just like this little tasteful thing there. That's just, that just really makes that part. Wondering if I'm alive. So on that line, there's been time. The electric guitar comes in. Andrew uh, does the call and response with, I'm so confused. All my roads, will they lead to you? That's Andrew. Uh, Just can't turn, and then both of you, and walk away. And there's that harmony that lifts, just soars into chorus two, which again, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Chorus two is the same as chorus one. I'm going to read it again. It's hard to say what it is I see in you. Wonder if I'll always be with you. Words can't say and I can't do. 
enough to prove it's all for you. And do you ever recall Paul Eversold or anybody in the studio, you know, when you're when you're tra- tracking this particular song uh, to say, hey, maybe we should change up the second or third chorus or, or was it always always going to be the same? Mark, our drummer, was the one who talked about trying to change it. And uh, we've already done that. He wasn't so sure it was a quote unquote hit. He was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, we need to tweak this a little bit. And I was, I held on pretty tightly to that. And I was like, I think this is really just about, I don't want to overthink this. I will say the sim- simple things and bringing people in, like you talked about by 34 seconds, I think the chorus hits. You yeah. know, if you listen to that record, you said that arpeggiated, I'd rather just like a, that. I don't have a pick, but yeah. It's just, I always, I always wanted within three or four seconds people to know oh that's that song that's that song mm-hmm. we're happy donna donna you know champagne high has the little acoustic you know and so that and song you're, in. you're like as soon as that arpeggiated g it's people know oh it's that song we were in the chorus by there and this the song i always saw people just wanting to sing that chorus it's interesting you say that because again, this song was a to me a proven hit before you you recorded it for some, somewhere more familiar because, you know, a lot of choruses it'll be the same refrain, the same lyric yeah, 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 over yeah. and over. That's what a chorus is. There's there's a, a bit of information here. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. But 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 what else could it be? Right. It's perfect. It works. And you you guys knew what worked, man. I I like I said, I used to see you play this at the swamp, <laughs> just you and Andrew, and people were singing it before it ever got on the radio. Crazy, That's right? huge. Yeah, it was crazy. That's huge. It was crazy. Yeah. We get into a 15 second bridge. I love this bridge uh, because it's, uh, you know, it's what a bridge is supposed to be. It's this little departure. Rain comes pouring down, falling from the sky. Words without a sound coming from your eyes. Rain comes pouring down. And Andrew Repeats. is calling response. He's saying pouring down, falling from blue skies. And he's saying falling from blue skies, words without a sound. And then on this line coming from your eyes. And that's where I put Ken and Andrew killer harmony, a la Allman brothers. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks man. <laughs> it just gives me chills, man. That's just coming from your eyes. It just lifts there. It's so good. Thanks man. It was, it was that Southern thing right into, right into our secret weapon, Ryan Newell. He's like the Mike Campbell secret weapon of the band and yeah we just wanted it to lift and take off like you were flying right there and uh ryan's job taking like you said a song that was acoustic and making it something that's a little bit more of a of a live energy thing uh, just come up with some a, a solo people can sing i was just gonna say the solo is singable it's not overthought. It's not uh, trying to be uh, some kind of Eddie Van Halen wizardry. Yeah. It's twenty. It's a twenty-second long, uh, twenty-eight-second long guitar solo, and it's over the chorus chord progression. Yeah. So you're getting that chorus yeah. feel. Yeah. There's this guitar solo that's happening. It's not too flashy. It's not too simple. It 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 works perfect for that part. And I love how we come back. We drop into a verse three after yeah. this. 
and every everything just comes down and it's the same drum feel as the top that side stick with the kick drums uh and we're coming back to the the factual first verse it's you know the what? same exact I'm just remembering this now as you're saying that I think I tried to write a sort of wrap it up last verse and it just never felt right like like man yeah, that's not yeah. it that's not it what I like about this, the way it makes me feel as a listener, is it makes me feel like I'm reminiscing. Right. And I'm reminiscing of the very beginning of this song. Finally, I figured out, but it took a long, long time. Now there's a turnabout, maybe because I'm trying. And then we get the pre-chorus again. Yeah. Well, there, there's know, a thing about the song where uh, it's, about, it's about being stuck and being unstuck. Being stuck, being, you know, it's that, <laughs> it's that, am I here? Do I need to go? Am I, can I commit? Can I get, it's that loop that people get in, in relationships. Well, no, it, and it's perfect. And not a lot of times do you get three, three pre-choruses in a song, but again, this part is so integral and so catchy and singable. that it has to, it's singable. Yeah. It has to be there. There's been time. I'm so confused and all my roads will they lead to you. I just can't turn and then, and walk away. There's that soaring harmony and you think you're coming into the chorus, but nope, it's the breakdown chorus. Just can't turn. You walk away. And that's just so so Americana, just feel good, let's clap our hands. Uh, it, it, it's perfect. You know, to this day, um, we can play that song in Korea or, you know, Muskegon, Michigan. And we get to that part <laughs> and it lights people up and they sing it. And what, as songwriters, it's just, you know, it's a gift to have something like that that can make people feel that good. And, and it's just part of people's musical DNA. You know, it's, it, it, it just lights them up for 20 seconds and we have a big time. And I can't think of two uh, uh, different places than Korea and Muskegon, Michigan. It's, I'm telling you, man, it's the weirdest thing. It's the dangest thing. The harmonies, and, and I had mentioned this before, these were in my notes, the harmonies aren't just stuck together on a grid. There's yeah. this push and pull, and you can really hear it in this breakdown. Uh, it's hard to say what it is I see in you. wonder if I'll always be with you. Words can't say, and I can't do. Enough to prove. And on that time, when you both say prove, in my notes I put, it really sticks out this time. Mm-hmm. It's really rubbing. It's not anywhere near lined up, but that human emotion. Yeah, and that low part is like prove. It kind of drops. It, yeah. It's a strange harmony. Yeah. It's a strange harmony, yeah. but it works perfectly. Uh, it's all for you. Um, I wrote again that the drums have kind of the feel of the verses and the pre-choruses yeah. here in the breakdown. Mark uh, has a jazz background, so that drum feel, like, going into that first chorus and uh, some yeah. of that you can hear a little bit of that it's funny he's got a lot of different things that he does but some of those fills really show some of that jazz background well it comes out with a cool little fill we're into chorus three um same lyrics as is, is, is the other choruses and then at the very end uh after you say it's all for you there's just kind of this tasteful guitar lick solo that comes back in right there and then you got a little wrap up here yeah. a little little uh little outro it's 
song ends. Yeah, that little refrain there was that always there from the beginning, or did yeah, you that ever was think there. I, doing a... um, I was having so much fun. It was just one of those times I was in a zone, bouncing things back, and it was just from that very first demo on that cassette. It was all right. Let's have this harmony, and then this low part, and then can there be a counter melody? And that was kind of the counter mm-hmm. melody that was going on over that whole thing. And then I just slid it to the end, and uh, it worked. And again, as as you get older, I don't know what it is. There's just something I get sentimental thinking about those times you're talking about, talking about in the nineties. Sure. And I'm just I'm happy for all my friends. This is all that we ever wanted to do yeah, since man. we were knee high to a grasshopper was playing music. That's right. And the fact that that you can have a song connect from, uh, as you said, to Korea to uh, Muskegon, Michigan. Yeah. That's a that's a beautiful thing, Thanks, Ken, man. Chris. You guys are. I'm 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 proud of you, and I'm I'm so stoked to call you a friend. Uh, you know, thanks for for coming on today. At, at this point, I'd like to uh, to leave the listeners with anything that you have going on. I know that uh, that you and your bandmates had founded Lyrics for Life. Yeah. Are you still doing doing lyrics? Yeah, for life? actually, you know, when I was a teenager, I was 16. My little brother was 14. He was diagnosed with a T cell lymphoma, and he died when he was 18. I was 20. And, you know, look, those were times I was already in bands, you know, you're chasing girls, you're partying, trying to balance school. And I was dealing with, you know, cancer, mortality, all this stuff. And it was, uh, it was heavy. You don't get through that unscathed. And so as we got a platform to kind of call attention to things, you know, we've always felt uh, if our vehicle could be used for different things like that, it was a, a good part of our, our fingerprint. You know, we, it comes easily for us, but we wanted to really focus on something uh, that meant something to us. And with Lyrics for Life, we've raised over $3 million for cancer charities, um, childhood cancer. We started a little camp out at Camp Crystal called Camp Hazelnut, where we bring these kids and their families. We scholarship them out to Camp Crystal. They come out for the weekend. They do rope courses, you know, swimming, archery. Um, and so Lyrics for Life is going on. We didn't get to do any events this year because of all the COVID stuff, but we'll be back on next year. But other than that, man, you know, our, our career has also been about community and the hazelnuts as they call them. That's your fan club. They call themselves the hazelnuts. Yep. And you know, 20 years ago, we started that thing called the rock boat and we were the yep. first band to kind of charter a cruise ship and take out other bands and start a festival out there. And so we're going on 21 years uh, with the rock boat and, um, and uh, it's been great. You know, we've had platinum selling bands to baby bands. And our hope is that if you come for a band that, you, that you're a fan of, that you'll leave with your next favorite band. Because we were that band, you know, like you guys. We were trying to win over uh, sure. the, the people. And so the Rock Boat's been a great thing. Uh, we do a thing called the Hazelnut Hang. Take over different clubs and cities to these three-day weekends. But, you know, we're still staying busy, man. Still on a regular year doing, you know, hundred shows or so still putting out records and, and, uh, still getting to talk to nice folks like you. Right on, man. Well, Hey, again, thank you so much for, for jumping on, uh, check out lyrics for life online. If you could donate, uh, to, uh, the organization, it's a wonderful organization over $3 million raised. That is beautiful. We do great things with research and, and kids. 100%. Awesome, we don't make any, everybody's volunteer and it all goes directly to research or programs to help out these families. Awesome. Again, that's Lyrics for Life. And check out uh, the Sister Hazel Cruz when they go back out. Check out uh, their new music. They're still doing it. They're still out there. They're still rocking. And uh, congratulations. Thanks, man. Good talking to you, Chris.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Decent Criminal from Santa Rosa, California. Tristan and Hunter Martinez are joined by Brian Gelman and Alex Cuninos. You can find their music on all the streaming services, and here's a snippet of their song, Reap. Chris and Chris. That was really cool to hear two Gainesville boys talking to each other, man. Yeah, a lot, lot of a uh, lot of history with the Sister Hazel guys. They, like I said, we we both we both cut our teeth in Gainesville. That's where we got our starts. I felt like I could really relate to what you guys were saying about Gainesville. Gainesville being a big college town, but it's not like it's New York City or Chicago or L.A. or something. It's still got that small town feel to it. And that's I'm from Pittsburgh, so. When someone's successful from Pittsburgh, whether it's anti-flag or whether it's Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller, you feel extra attached to them. And I kind of got that sense in what you guys were saying about Gainesville. Yeah, there's just a there's just a camaraderie there. And especially talking about like the 90s when we got on that trip. And I was like, man, it's just I get sentimental thinking about it sometimes. It was, you know, a lot of it was we were young. There was all the firsts and all the new the, the new things that come along with, uh, you know, being in a young band, but man, it was just, uh, it was a melting pot, a great place for musicians and artists to, to, to collide. And, and the camaraderie was, uh, was amazing friendships, uh, to this day. I, I know so many people such as Ken that I can just get on with. I haven't talked to Ken in a while and you, you just pick, pick right up where you left off. It was really cool to hear him talk about the fact that they had been playing all for you for years. So they already had, it was already crowd tested that that song was a hit amongst people before it became a hit among the country or the world or whatever. It was already proven among people that knew and liked the band. And that's rare you hear about that. That's the first time I can really remember talking about that on this podcast because usually you record a song you put it out there and you see people's reaction to it well it sounds like they had seen for years how people felt about absolutely that i had seen them play play the song before they ever recorded it for this record it was it was a hit in gainesville men women girls boys singing this song at the top of their lungs just feeling it you know and these guys have a bunch of great songs happy as we mentioned change your mind champagne high uh but you know this was their obviously their their breakout and their biggest hit it was obvious to go for this song but it was also about the story of this song i was really interested to talk to him about that and say hey 
did you know you had to know there was and he he did he said there was something special with this song they they knew it I feel like I could have told you that this song was a hit from the first time I heard it, whether it was on the radio or on a cassette tape or wherever. There's just something about this song, man. No, there is. And, and, and he knew that when he was taking those boom boxes with cassettes and, you know, doing the poor man's multi-tracking. And he, he showed it to his parents. He said, you know, if I never write another song or whatever, th- this is kind of the one. And th- he knew it. There was something something definitely, definitely special uh, about this song. And it's, look most bands don't ever have a hit single. It's very difficult. There's so much competition and, and hell there's songs we talked about on the show before that there's songs that I have in my collection that are hits. They just didn't, you know, didn't catch on to the masses for whatever reason. But you know, if the right band and right time uh, would have recorded that song, it, it was a hit, but you don't get many of those chances. And just the fact that uh, I love seeing people that, that are appreciative. They're, they're known. A lot of these guys sometimes are known as one hit wonders, whether uh, fairly or unfairly, but Ken's appreciative. This song, <laughs> look, they're still here in 2021. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, you guys referenced that the song gets played in CVS and Home Depot still today. And we've had several of those songs uh, on this podcast, whether you're talking about Robin Wilson talking about the bunch of Jim Blossom songs that still get played at the grocery store or even, you know, Lit, My Own Worst Enemy. I was just yesterday, I was somewhere and heard that song come on. I'm like, damn, listen to that. You know, so that has to be like, an absolutely amazing feeling. <laughs> it is, and and these guys were complete road dogs too. I mean, they weren't just sitting around. Uh, they weren't just some contrived major label band. And I think that's why they have lasting power. They harnessed what they achieved in Gainesville. And I'm gonna I'm gonna reference Lesson Jake again. We did the same thing. We just took those people in Gainesville and we moved them to Daytona. We moved them to Orlando. We moved them to Tampa, to Fort Lauderdale, and we just kept building and building. Uh, and that's what these guys did. They're still, like Ken said, over 100 dates a year. They're doing their cruise, and, uh, and more power to them. Another thing that you guys talked about in this episode that I thought was really cool is you talked about the push and pull of harmonies. When you're not locked into something, whether you're in Logic or Pro Tools or whatever, just like you're saying, you can look at the waves. If they're not lined up, then your instinct is to be like, oh, that's not right. I want those to be lined up perfectly. But when you have that little bit of whatever you want to call it, rub or imperfection to it, it sounds more real. It sounds more human. And it doesn't have that I don't know, (laughs) computerized, uh, uh, manufactured sound that, you know, we instinctively go towards that. We want perfection, but the the imperfection is just human. Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, these guys were the real deal from the moment that I saw them. When when Ken and Andrew were just doing acoustic stuff before, you know, they were doing a bunch of stuff with the band. And like I said, they were playing everywhere. He referenced a bunch of places that I had had written down in in, in my notes. Uh, The Swamp, Rickenbackers. I mean, these were all college hangouts that would get packed and these guys were packing the places, you know, and they were doing doing really well for themselves. But, um, you know, this is just again, it's a, it's a feel good story of wor- hard work and determination. That's what these guys were about. And, and uh, again, they're, they're still doing it. I thought it was cool when Ken mentioned not overthinking a song, which with this song, this chorus, these lyrics, those melodies, you don't need to overthink it. It's going to get stuck in people's heads and 
come pouring out of their mouths <laughs> the second they hear it. I mean, I think you could listen to this song one time and be able to sing along to it. And they didn't overthink it and look at it. It still hit all these years later. Well, and, and I think by the time they recorded it for a third time for the somewhere more familiar record that the, the, the song that we all know now, the, the radio staple, this version, by the time they recorded this, they, they really didn't have to mess with the, the simplicity of it. They It was kind of a proven hit. All those people in Gainesville that were saying, it was really amazing to see that, that people were singing a song that hadn't been recorded yet. You know, that's... Uh, that just goes to show you how, like you said, a hit song, sometimes it's just so undeniably catchy. And that's why I had pressed him about this chorus. There's quite a bit of information here, but was there ever uh, the thought of, of having more or having it stripped down? He's like, no, it's kind of always what it was. It just worked from the get-go. Hey, one more thing I thought was cool in this episode. This was brought up early in the conversation, but I was thinking about, especially in the 90s, maybe in the early 2000s, the power of the compilation oh. album. And, you know, that it was some sort of charity compilation that this song was part of was the first place it was released, I, I believe. Uh, but, you know, in punk rock music, we knew all about Punkarama or uh, the Fat Records comps or the Vagrant Records comps, like how those could break bands and artists. And it's almost like nowadays you have playlists, whether it's a Spotify playlist or something like that. But these compilation CDs just made bands careers. And it sounds like I've always known that from the punk rock world, but even outside of the punk rock world, it sounds like that was a thing. No, it, it, it was because now you're using the power of 10, 12, 15, 20 other bands, fan bases to get your band noticed, you know? So it, I, I said it in the show, it kind of, uh, it's poor man's social media in a sense, you know, you're, you're using other uh, bands, fan bases to, uh, ignite your own. And plus those people that were perusing the record store, those comps were always like, three or four bucks and you'd pick them up and you'd be like, Oh, look at all these bands on here. And it was just such a deal. I think that was part of it too. That was back in the day when you might just pick something up that you haven't heard before. And because it was cheap, be like, oh, I'm going to buy this. Well, speaking of cheap, Chris, uh, since no one's buying CDs anymore, uh, they can certainly afford a buck or two uh, to this month's fundraiser, right? Don't you think? That, that is very true. No one's paying <laughs> for music anymore, so you could at least contribute to our fundraiser this month. Well, it's not that no one's paying for music, but it's not on the grand scale it was back in the day. So please, if you can, head over to ChrisToMakesADifference.com and give to this month's fundraiser, which is the National Brain Tumor Society. Uh, your donations will go to research and treatment towards a cure for brain cancer, which at the moment is an inoperable and incurable disease. So any help you can give a dollar, five, ten, uh, head over to ChrisToMakesADifference.com. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate each and every one of you that, uh, that can give. That's very true. I know we talk about it every week, but uh, the listeners of the podcast are very generous. We can't thank you guys enough. It's always awesome. And these foundations that we're are raising funds for each month are always very appreciative as are we you make our podcast look good <laughs> it's you not us we're just we're just the messengers you guys make it happen yeah you know uh, 
there are certainly private donors out there that give and, and whatnot. But uh, the, the letters that we've gotten back from some of these organizations and foundations have just been heart uh, heartwarming. They've just been so, you know, thank you so much. We've had a rough month. Uh, the, the, the pandemic, uh, et cetera, has been really tough on on getting uh, money for research. So thanks to each and every one of you for uh, for your generosity. Chris and I really appreciate it, as do all the organizations. Uh, if you haven't given me a follow on Instagram yet, please do. Tell your neighbor. Tell your tell your grandmother that just decided to get an Instagram. It's free to follow you. It's yeah. absolutely free to follow less than Chris D on Instagram. So you might as well give him a follow. Please do. And uh, I'm still writing those custom songs. I'll write you, a loved one, that special someone in your life, a custom song, your very own song. It could be for a birthday, a wedding, an anniversary, a graduation party, a retirement party. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you hate your boss. and we write you a song that, uh, you know, you don't like your boss. I'd be glad to do that. So head over and shoot me an email, chrisdemakes at gmail.com for more info on that. And uh, if you haven't uh, joined our Facebook group, the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group, please do. I want to give a shout out to a couple members this month, Mr. Dan Lenane and Miss Christy Allen. Thank you for being part of our group and thanks to everybody that's in the group. It's free to join and we'd love for you to join as well. And speaking of cool things, uh, my man Chris here, he does some really cool enamel pins through his Etsy shop. Chris, tell him about it. Yeah, man. If you're looking to spice up your hoodie or your backpack or your jacket or your hat, I have an Etsy shop full of enamel pins at iloveenamelpins.com. They're great as an inexpensive gift for a friend or loved one or as a little treat for yourself. I have pins of everyone and everything from Mr. Rogers to Betty White, Nicolas Cage to Meryl Streep, cats, dogs, you name it. I've always thought enamel pins were neat and I've just been, you know, building up my inventory and selection over the years. Uh, so, yeah, I love enamelpins.com. And if you use the discount code Chris Demakes at checkout, You'll get 30% off your order. <laughs> hey mom, if you're if you're listening, I'm now a discount code. I made it. Yes. Okay. True. It took me, it took me, it took me this long, but I finally made it. Yeah. Uh, thanks to each everyone for <laughs> you for listening this week. It's been another great show. I want to thank my friend Ken Block of Sister Hazel for sitting in with us, and we'll see you next week. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. The Helping Friendly Podcast explores the music and fan experience of fish through interviews and deep dives on shows and tours. For more than 10 years, we've created insightful and fun discussions about our favorite band, and with the help of our guests and thematic series, we're still discovering new angles of appreciation for fish. And when the band is on tour, we provide a review of every show the following day. As one of our listeners said, any fish fans that enjoy meandering conversations and incredible insight on new and old fish shows, this is for you. Highly recommend. 
It's not just about the band and the shows. It's about the journey getting there. Throughout 2024, we're going to be running down the top 25 fish tours of all time, and that'll be interspersed with show reviews and regular episodes. Join us and check out the Helping Friendly Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.